0: letter sixty-five of moral letters to lucilius by lucius annaeus seneca translated by richard m Gummier. this librivox recording is in the public domain on the first cause i shared my time yesterday with ill health it claimed for itself all the period before noon in the afternoon however it yielded to me and so i first tested my spirit by reading Then, when reading was found to be possible, I dared to make more demands upon the spirit, or perhaps I should say, to make more concessions to it. I wrote a little, and indeed with more concentration than usual, for I am struggling with a difficult subject, and do not wish to be downed. In the midst of this some friends visited me, with the purpose of employing force, and of restraining me, as if I were a sick man indulging in some excess. So, conversation was substituted for writing, and from this conversation I shall communicate to you the topic which is still the subject of debate, for we have appointed you referee. You have more of a task on your hands than you suppose, for the argument is threefold. Our Stoic philosophers, as you know, declare that there are two things in the universe which are the source of everything, namely, cause and matter." matter lies sluggish a substance ready for any use but sure to remain unemployed if no one sets it in motion cause however by which we mean reason moulds matter and turns it in whatever direction it will producing thereby various concrete results accordingly there must be in the case of each thing that from which it is made and next an agent by which it is made The former is its material, the latter its cause. All art is but imitation of nature. Therefore, let me apply these statements of general principles to the things which have to be made by man. A statue, for example, has afforded matter which was to undergo treatment at the hands of the artist, and has had an artist who was to give form to the matter. Hence, in the case of the statue, the material was bronze the cause was the workman and so it goes with all things they consist of that which is made and of the maker these stoics believe in one cause only the maker but aristotle thinks that the word cause can be used in three ways the first cause he says is the actual matter without which nothing can be created the second is the workman the third is the form which is impressed upon every work, a statue, for example. This last is what Aristotle calls the eidos There is two, says he, a fourth, the purpose of the work as a whole. Now I shall show you what this last means. Bronze is the first cause of the statue, for it could never have been made unless there had been something from which it could be cast and moulded the second cause is the artist for without the skilled hands of a workman that bronze could not have been shaped to the outlines of the statue the third cause is the form inasmuch as as our statue could never be called the lance-bearer or the boy binding his hair had not this special shape been stamped upon it the fourth cause is the purpose of the work for if this purpose had not existed the statue would not have been made Now, what is this purpose? It is that which attracted the artist, which he followed when he made the statue. It may have been money, if he has made it for sale, or renown, if he has worked for reputation, or religion, if he has wrought it as a gift for a temple. Therefore, this also is a cause contributing toward the making of the statue, or do you think that we should avoid including among the causes of a thing which has been made that element without which the thing in question would not have been made to these four plato adds a fifth cause the pattern which he himself calls the idea for it is this that the artist gazed upon when he created the work which he had decided to carry out now it makes no difference whether he has his pattern outside himself that he may direct his glance to it or within himself, conceived in place there by himself. God has within himself these patterns of all things, and his mind comprehends the harmonies and the measures of the whole totality of things which are to be carried out. He is filled with these shapes which Plato calls the ideas, imperishable, unchangeable, not subject to decay. And therefore, though men die, Humanity itself, or the idea of man, according to which man is moulded, lasts on, and though men toil and perish, it suffers no change. Accordingly, there are five causes, as Plato says, the material, the agent, the make-up, the model, and the end in view. Last comes the result of all these. Just as in the case of the statue— To go back to the figure with which we began, the material is the bronze, the agent is the artist, the make-up is the form which is adapted to the material, the model is the pattern imitated by the agent, the end in view is the purpose in the maker's mind, and finally, the result of all these is the statue itself. The universe also, in Plato's opinion, possesses all these elements. The agent is God, the source, matter, the form, the shape, and the arrangement of the visible world the pattern is doubtless the model according to which God has made this great and most beautiful creation the purpose is his object in doing so do you ask what God's purposes is? it is goodness Plato at any rate says what was God's reason for creating the world God is good and no good person is grudging of anything that is good therefore god made it the best world possible hand down your opinion then o judge state who seems to you to say what is truest and not who says what is absolutely true for to do that is as far beyond our ken as truth itself this throng of causes defined by aristotle and by plato embraces either too much or too little For if they regard as causes of an object, that is to be made everything without which the object cannot be made, they have named too few. Time must be included among the causes, for nothing can be made without time. They must also include place, for if there be no place where a thing can be made, it will not be made. And motion, too. Nothing is either made or destroyed without motion there is no art without motion no change of any kind now however i am searching for the first the general cause this must be simple inasmuch as matter too is simple do we ask what cause is it is surely creative reason in other words god for those elements to which you referred are not a great series of independent causes They all hinge on one alone, and that will be the creative cause. Do you maintain that form is a cause? This is only what the artist stamps upon his work. It is part of a cause, but not the cause. Neither is the pattern a cause, but an indispensable tool of the cause. His pattern is as indispensable to the artist as the chisel or the file, without these art can make no progress but for all that these things are neither parts of the art nor causes of it then perhaps you will say the purpose of the artist that which leads him to undertake to create something is the cause it may be a cause it is not however the efficient cause but only an accessory cause but there are countless accessory causes what we are discussing is the general cause now the statement of plato and aristotle is not in accord with their usual penetration when they maintain that the whole universe the perfectly wrought work is a cause for there is a great difference between a work and the cause of a work either give your opinion or as is easier in cases of this kind declare that the matter is not clear and call for another hearing but you will reply what pleasure do you get from wasting your time on these problems which relieve you of none of your emotions rout none of your desires so far as i am concerned i treat and discuss them as matters which contribute greatly toward calming the spirit and i search myself first and then the world about me and not even now am i as you think wasting my time For all these questions, provided that they be not chopped up and torn apart into such unprofitable refinements, elevate and lighten the soul, which is weighted down by a heavy burden, and desires to be freed and to return to the elements of which it was once a part. For this body of ours is a weight upon the soul and its penance. As the load presses down, the soul is crushed and is in bondage, unless philosophy has come to its assistance and has bid it take fresh courage by contemplating the universe and has turned it from things earthly to things divine there it has its liberty there it can roam abroad meantime it escapes the custody in which it is bound and renews its life in heaven just as skilled workmen who have been engaged upon some delicate piece of work which wearies their eyes with straining if the light in which they have is niggardly or uncertain, go forth into the open air, and in some park devoted to the people's recreation delight their eyes in the generous light of day. So the soul, imprisoned as it has been in this gloomy and darkened house, seeks the open sky whenever it can, and in the contemplation of the universe finds rest. The wise man, the seeker after wisdom, is bound closely, indeed, to his body. But he is an absentee so far as his better self is concerned, and he concentrates his thoughts upon lofty things. Bound, so to speak, to his oath of allegiance, he regards the period of life as his term of service. He is so trained that he neither loves nor hates life. He endures a mortal lot, although he knows that an ampler lot is in store for him do you forbid me to contemplate the universe do you compel me to withdraw from the whole and restrict me to a part may i not ask what are the beginnings of all things who molded the universe who took the confused and conglomerate mass of sluggish matter and separated it into its parts may i not inquire who is the master builder of this universe how the mighty bulk was brought under the control of law and order who gathered together the scattered atoms, who separated the disordered elements and assigned an outward form to elements that lay in one vast shapelessness. Or whence came all the expanse of light, and whether it is fire or something even brighter than fire? Am I not to ask these questions? Must I be ignorant of the heights whence I have descended? Whether I am to see this world but once, or... To be born many times what is my destination afterwards what abode awaits my soul on its release from the laws of slavery among men do you forbid me to have a share in heaven in other words do you bid me live with my head bowed down no I am above such an existence I was born to a greater destiny than to be a mere chattel of my body and i regard this body as nothing but a chain which manacles my freedom therefore i offer it as a sort of buffer to fortune and shall allow no wound to penetrate through to my soul for my body is the only part of me which can suffer injury in this dwelling which is exposed to peril my soul lives free never shall this flesh drive me to feel fear or to assume any pretense that it is unworthy of a good man never shall i lie in order to honor this petty body when it seems proper i shall sever my connection with it and at present while we are bound together our alliance shall nevertheless not be one of equality the soul shall bring all quarrels before its own tribunal to despise our bodies is sure freedom to return to our subject this freedom will be greatly helped by the contemplation of which we were just speaking all things are made up of matter and of god god controls matter which encompasses him and follows him as its guide and leader and that which creates in other words god is more powerful and precious than matter which is acted upon by god god's place in the universe corresponds to the soul's relation to man world matter corresponds to our mortal body therefore let the lower serve the higher let us be brave in the face of hazards let us not fear wrongs or wounds or bonds or poverty and what is death it is either the end or a process of change I have no fear of ceasing to exist. It is the same as not having begun. Nor do I shrink from changing into another state, because I shall, under no conditions, be as cramped as I am now. Farewell. End of Letter 65 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia